Call the spec sheet now at 573-837-4948. This is a very special edition of the Spec Sheet with Curtis Thornton. On this broadcast, each listener will receive a complimentary pre-owned 10 gigabyte IBM IDE hard drive. No need to call about the drive. We have your information. To speak with Curtis, call now at 573-837-4948. That's 573-837-4948. And now, here's the Spec Sheet. This is the spec sheet. I'm Michael Van Dieven. He's Curtis Thornton. And uh, hi, Curtis. Hey, how are you doing? You know, finally, I think this is the first show in a long time where, like, I potted you up and said, hey, Curtis, and you were just there and could hear me, and it worked. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It's amazing what? the amount of anxiety that builds up in me, uh, just not being nervous about being on the air or anything like that. It's just, I'm too much of a pro for that. No, it's just... Uh, yes, you it, are. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's just uh, all of the random equipment bullcrap I deal with here. And uh, But one of the really nice things about what's happening here from an uh, equipment standpoint is that I have entirely replaced a buttload of electronic equipment here, uh, better sound equipment. Uh, we're getting ready to start doing some studio recording here of someone who actually really matters. And so... I've got to make him sound really good, so I replaced my crappy creative. Uh, what was it? It was the gamer. What, what the X, the, was it? An XFi? Yeah, XFi yeah. gamer. Yeah. I, I got rid of that forty dollar piece of crap and replaced it with a Focusrite Scarlet Two I Two, which is a USB sound card. It sounds just absolutely amazing. I can't. Uh, let's see if there's a. I don't know if people listening can appreciate how this thing sounds, but it just melts your face. Yeah. yeah. Can you see me headbanging? It's, it's just, it's a face-melting experience listening to this thing, and the show's also being recorded on it. So I would imagine that's going to mean higher audio fidelity for the people who listen to this show. Unfortunately, we bring no actual content to the show for you to enjoy, but... I was going to say, does this mean I have to step my game up? Because I'm pretty comfortable. The equipment is top-notch, though. We really have spared <laughs> no expense. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, this individual is going to be recording on the very... And has recorded in the past on the very microphone I'm speaking to you on, which is an MXL 990, uh, which is a fantastic microphone. For $50, you you cannot do better than this microphone. But like a lot of Chinese condenser microphones that are manufactured at a really, really aggressive price point, when you look at what this microphone can do for $50, that is aggression in pricing. You won't see more aggression than that. And uh, But 
one of the downsides to this is the fact that the electronics inside the microphone are of the cheapest possible quality, horrible, horribly cheap capacitors, a lot of uh, just components that are not tuned to one another or not balanced to one another. Uh, the, uh, the diaphragm itself that captures your voice is small. And there's a, there's a $3,200 microphone called the Neumann U87 AI. Uh, or yeah, I think it's AI. But anyway, it's a $3,200 microphone. A radio station that I used to work at had a production room known as Prod A. And <clears throat> they literally, literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars building this production room. I, I can't imagine there was a nicer production room within a 1,000 miles. It was an amazing, amazing uh, achievement on their part. I mean, the engineering team nice. that went in and put this all together was top-notch. Actually, the guy who does our liners was one of the people who put that together. And if anybody knows their shit, it's him. I I, I do not know. You can know. tell that. I mean, he, he does audio for a show like this, so of course he's going to be top-notch. <laughs> he obviously knows uh, which side of the bread is buttered. That's right. But anyway, uh, I enjoy using that phrase. I've used it a few times recently. But anyway... Um, they put that production room together, and the microphone that they used in there was the Neumann U87, which in the recording industry is a standard as far as microphones go. I mean, imagine spending $3,200 on a microphone. That's got to be an amazing... Uh, it better uh, be for that investment. It better be uh, for 3000 That is a marvel of audio engineering achievement, the U87. And so it's generally considered a standard, and anyone who knows recording knows that mic. Well, my point in mentioning that is there is a modification that you can do to this uh, uh, MXL 990. In total, the modification will cost you like $230. So what you do is they send you a board, and you actually have to solder all the components on um, I mean, literally, they send you a blank board and a little baggie with all the components and 34 <laughs> pages of instructions. And Did you I, say 34 or yeah, 4? 34 pages of instructions. When it comes to soldering, I'm bored after page 2. <laughs> I plan to solder by page. Yes. Uh, so I've got a really nice soldering station here that really doing what I do for a living, you're, you'd be surprised how little use I am actually getting out of this soldering station. I hardly ever solder anything. I mean, the the, the very most, particularly with laptops, the most you're going to wind up working with that could be a soldering situation is when the AC jack comes loose on the motherboard, which, A, I don't fix those because I can't guarantee it's not going to break again on you in three months and I won't burn your motherboard up, and B... Right. Uh, most laptops today don't even have that anymore anyway. They've got the separate AC jack, uh, uh, AC adapter jack, and it's got a wiring harness that connects it to the motherboard, so you just essentially wind up replacing a $5 part. There's no soldering involved. In other words, what I'm saying here is I don't get to solder much, so I'm kind of excited about that, but you replace, the, right. you replace all of the electronics inside this microphone, um, and you also replace the diaphragm, that is inside the microphone with one that's much larger, has a profoundly more uh, accurate frequency response. There's way less over overemphasis of the high end in your voice. You'll notice a lot of, and I'm sorry for anyone listening who doesn't care about condenser microphones, but 
or, or microphone chat. But Actually, I, if you look in the chat room, <laughs> you've got people interested when you mention that mic. Well, uh, okay. So anyway, uh, it, you can replace the diaphragm as well, which is the part that sort of looks like a lollipop and it sticks up in the center and captures your voice. The, your voice vibrates this diaphragm, which is transmitted or it, it's uh, transferred into well, electrical impulses. It's transferred into electrons and... The bigger that diaphragm is and the more freely it's able to vibrate, the more accurate a representation of your voice you're going to record. So it's a much larger diaphragm. And the point here is that after you do this $230 modification to a $50 microphone, you will be in possession of a microphone that is on par with the Neumann uh, U87. So for a combined total investment of about $300. You can have uh, something on par with that. And so I'm going to be doing that soon too, uh, to this microphone. I can't wait to hear how it sounds because I've always felt like this microphone sounds amazing anyway. I mean, listen to it. It sounds great, doesn't it? I think it sounds good. Yeah. But uh, well, can I go ahead and send mine to you too then? You'll, do, you'll take care of mine while you're doing yours. You know what? If you have, do you have a 990? Yeah. Oh well, you know what? If you'll pay, if you'll pay for the mod kit, I'll do the mod for you. Well, yeah. I mean, do it. Send it over. I'll I'll be happy to do that. Well, I'll, that's I'll actually. Your, I'll do yours first so that I can learn how not to <laughs> right. screw things up, and then I'll then I'll move on to mine. And what's that's what, only fair. What's really nice though about this new diaphragm uh, that you're gonna wind up putting in there is that it's omnidirectional, which the existing diaphragm is most certainly not. And so you have a r huge array of recording options at your disposal when you're dealing with an omnidirectional uh, diaphragm. And also, it's got a little setting in there, which will be one of the components on the new circuit board that you install that allows you to switch to toggle between omnidirectional and directional. Not really well, that, directional, it's just like half the uh, uh, field. Yeah, well, that was my question for podcasting. Is uh, unidirectional or omnidirectional? No, you wouldn't want to do you, you, that for podcasting. Right, exactly. No. Yeah, I already not. have enough problems with sound. Or, how, or can ambient I, sound. how can I fap during the show and be unheard with an omnidirectional microphone? <laughs> I, I enjoy being heard. You know That's that part word, of the reason why I do it. That word fap, I'm noticing it popping up in the, uh, in the lexicon more frequently lately i don't know if is that something is that a word that's been around for a long time and oh yeah it's been around for blew by me years. and i never caught on to it am You're i that out of the loop? <laughs> well there's more truth to that than you'll ever know <laughs> uh far more truth to that than i could ever actually document to legal standards well then uh, you're doing the internet proud if that's what you've been busy doing anyway Thank you, well, everybody I, I, who's I, I, listening. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to give the number. If anyone wants to call the show tonight, we're more than happy to answer tech questions. And um, the number to call if you have a tech question is 573-837-4948. It's 573-837-4948. What were you going to say? Well, I, I had a question because I do have that same microphone. Mm -hmm. But when I went to plug it in tonight... I, I, the sound was terrible on it. Uh, like it was. Did you turn on the phantom power? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, but what my question was. Well, I guess you'd actually just get nothing if you didn't turn the phantom power on. Right. Uh, the the problem is I left it out in my garage, which is where I usually uh -oh. do the podcast at. Where it's you know been what happened? You know what broke. happened? What uh, condensation? 
Okay. The 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 diaphragm yes. in these mics is really sensitive to condensation. As a matter of fact, when you put a windscreen in front of one of these mics, I, it's my understanding most condenser mics are really sensitive to condensation, and you'll actually quickly destroy the usability of one if you get moisture in there, which means that in addition to blocking the wind, the other reason you might want to use a windshield is just to prevent your spittle from getting into <laughs> right. your microphone. I mean, that's a real concern, particularly if you're using a high-dollar, high-end condenser microphone. You're not going to want to just be blasting spit into your mic all night long. Um, you know, it's, this I, was, I wondered about that, too. I mean, because condensation is what I wondered. I, I keep it in the original the, the little clamshell thing they give you when you buy the mic, and I keep... Uh, uh, one of those packets of, uh, oh, it's escaping my mind right now what it's called. But the uh, the stuff to help with basically condensation. But when I plug the thing in, Silica it sounds terrible. Silica gel, Desicant. that's it. Desiccant. Yes. <laughs> that stuff tastes really good. Have you ever tried it before? I just, no, I haven't. And when <laughs> no, I, hear I do the, not recommend it. <laughs> when I hear that word, I just imagine a pile of poo on the <laughs> ground. He's leaving desiccant everywhere. Yes. He just will not stop leaving desiccant. This is a desiccant-free zone. Apparently, he's not been apprised. So, anyway, um, I guess as we take a quick peek at the news here, the tech news, um, Google to glass holes, stop it. Is Google Glass, I guess, this is what I'm unclear on, is that available to the general public now? It's uh, available to early adopters uh, for, like, review purposes. You still have to pay for it to get it, but, but it's but not. But only certain people are allowed to pay for right. it. You, you have to be uh, approved. Uh, yeah, because I, I have a friend and a guy who's called in several times uh, to our show who, who is a, a glass hole. Uh, and hopefully in the next, it, once we get more regular in our episodes again, I'll have him call and talk about his experience with his glass. Well, I guess my question is this term glass holes, what does that imply? Just someone who's walking around wearing their Google Glass? I mean, why does that yeah. make you such a bad person? It's just that if you, yeah, walk into, it's just if you walk into my office with a camera strapped to your face, which essentially is all that is, and you expect me not to notice that, then there could be a problem. But, I mean, is that a glass hole, or is it just some guy who walks down the street wearing it, or is it a guy who eats in a restaurant wearing it? I mean, you know that if you're if you're out in public and you wear the, this and you go into a random restaurant, someone at some point is going to walk up to you and give you a problem over it. Yeah, well, I think Glasshole is just anyone who uh, is using this ex exclusive product at this point. Uh, once it becomes a general general release and the price is lower and people, if they decide to buy it, then the I think the term glass hole would disappear, and I think Google would love to have it disappear quicker. I think that I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, just that it's been uh, you would think that getting this device out there, letting people use it, show these quote unquote innovative ways to to use Google Glass would make the uh, would be awesome marketing. But instead, it's been flipped, and everything you just said is what's happened. Plus, things like people doing uh, marriage proposals and uh, recording it. But all you see is the other person. You don't see like their hands, their gestures. It's such a terrible way to record a life event because you're seeing it from the same point of view your eyes do. And, and who who wants that to be their longstanding memory? You want a third party perspective on whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Not to mention all the privacy concerns that show up about it and just people being rude, just like Bluetooth was when it first came out. How annoying was it to be walking through a store and have some guy standing beside you talking to himself? 
or at least you think he is. Ugh. And all of a sudden you realize, nope, it's Bluetooth. Uh, and, and they seem like really dumb people typically too. They're not like right. what I would oh. think of as smart people. And the louder you talk, the more it calls you out for being that person. That is so annoying. Just, you just, yeah. and th- th- there are people who uh, are even worse than that. They'll engage you in conversation and you will do the same uh, in kind. And then at some point there might be a lull in the conversation and uh, suddenly you'll hear something like, <laughs> yeah, that really is a load of crap, isn't it? Oh boy. How you doing? <laughs> As and it's like, smile you, for the never, same thing. <laughs> you never officially ended our conversation and transitioned into that one. You just started having this random, seemingly random conversation into a little earpiece and never apprised me of the fact that you had changed gears. And so here I am. I have no idea what's happening. I have no idea. I feel like a jism satchel. <laughs> Completely. I hate that. Anyway. Well, that, that's the same people who go to the movies and then... Like moments after they put on the screen, please turn off your devices or, or silence them. They all of a sudden grab their phone and start to adjust settings on it. Like they didn't know this walking into the movie that at some point they're going to have to turn their device off and maybe they should plan for it during the previews. I hate that. Eddie Dean in the chat room says, you should see my pop filter after a hip hop recording session, bits of food and spit. I'll bet you, you could probably, after a hip hop recording session, you could probably take the windscreen off and just like burn it and get high. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, probably saw that on the street. I think you could catch a pretty nice buzz that way. That's just, uh, that's, he needs to create like a Pinterest, uh, page. That's just photos of his pop screen or his filters after that. Jazzy Licious says, can we call if we have a non-tech question? Where do babies come from? Um, I prefer to answer the question. How is Babby formed? That's just me. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll have to go with what the uh, president said on this before he was the president, and that's above my pay grade. Did he say that? Well, he was talking about abortion then, but I'm going to just make it a blanket statement. Let's talk about abortion. I really do think a woman's right to choose should be... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay, so are we done with the Google thing? I mean, I don't really know what more to say about this. Google Glass... Well, I'm just interested. What do you think about... uh, Lost my train of thought as soon as I started to say it. I was going to say earlier, I really don't. I, yeah, I, I, I really don't see what the practical application is here. I mean, we've got the, I guess there are like augmented reality possibilities where I look at a coffee shop and some sort of an image gets superimposed over the top of, of the coffee shop to tell me, hey, here's what they've got and here's why you should go in there. And if you give them this product code, you'll get a free an extra squirt of caffeine or whatever. Uh, I mean, even that just seems to me like this is, I mean, like we've got this cell phone thing that has entirely permeated the market well over 50% now of people walking around with a phone, have a smartphone. So clearly the writing is on the wall. Eventually this thing is going to reach parity. It's going to reach a certain equilibrium and that market is going to stop growing. And people are going to largely be con, uh, competing for the same pool of potential customers. I mean, it's it's right. going to grow still, but I mean, it's 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 they they're trying to. And what I'm saying is, they're trying to create a new market. They're trying to say, well, uh, you know, we've got this cell phone thing. It's it's been real, 
but we've been at it now for what seven eight years i mean the first iphone came out in 2007 so we've been at this yep. for like seven years now it's time As you just said that you just made me think of something else it's time uh, it's time to create a new market there has to be a we have to create an entirely different class of devices and and somehow get that to be the next big thing and that's what i see google google that's what i see google glass as being that's what i see wearable technology in general as being watches from samsung and they're just they're trying to create the next class of products for everybody to run out and buy yeah as you were saying that made me really stop and think about what google's point is with this because they already do have the platform android that is Definitely, you know, the market leader for what it does. Sells a lot more handsets daily than any other operating system. What is the purpose? Is, is Google Glass supposed to take that over and replace that market? And if so, why are they producing it and not giving it to a third party? Uh, or is it supposed to supplement the Android market that's out there? Who, who's going to want to have a watch that connects to your phone and then your phone and then also this separate uh, Google Glass thing? that uh, isn't connected to your phone. I, I, I'd like to know what the use case is for it inside Google. Well, I, they need to change their name. I'm done with Google. They need to get rid of the second G. You just want them to be Google? No, just put something else in there. I don't know what it is, but... I would like them just to be... <sighs> Goo? No, just a sigh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think no, that's, that's the company. That, that needs to be a side company of uh, Van Dieven Enterprises as... <sighs> Industries. I think that's so much easier to pronounce. It's <sighs> something I, we all do every day. It's sort of like when you say your own name repeatedly. If I tell people my name's Michael, I have a really hard time saying that after a while. Like if some, I've been saying Michael my whole life. So if I tell somebody, yeah, my name's Michael, I hate to say my name because it feels, I feel so tongue-tied when I'm doing it. And uh, the same applies to Google. I say that word so much. That yeah. Well, you could be a, me, and every time I say Curtis... They say, okay, thanks, Chris. Okay. Um, Google Glass, we will, uh, I guess, boil that down to silly hipster technology with not much of a future. I don't really see people clamoring to run out and buy it. I guess that's the point. There's no hype other right. than what's been generated by people who work in tech journalism who actually have their hands on these devices and who know people who work at Google and who are in direct contact with uh, the media arm of Google. Those people are talking about it. Those people are trying their best to manufacture the buzz that apparently is failing to be, uh, is failing to manifest itself organically. Uh, right. I just don't see it. I mean, like regular people that I know on a day-to-day -day basis in my life are not walking around going, holy shit, man, that Google Glass, I can't wait. I, can't, I want one of them. Shit. Yeah. I'm not hearing that from people. Yeah, I know one person who has one, and, and he's a guy who is on the leading edge of technology and pays attention to it and wants to play, so he's ahead of the curve. What's he it's think about something. it? But as far as my most recent conversation with him, he was really, he likes it. It's one of those things that I think if you have it and you find uses for it, then you think it's a lot cooler than like the, the average person who's looking at it thinking, how am I going to integrate this into my life? Mm. And it's very specific purposes for it. I mean, I see him post photos uh, of different places he's at. You know, it's kind of <clears> cool for that purpose. But uh, there's two sides to every piece of technology. There's your side and then there's uh, 
all the people who have to deal with it. I mean, and I, w- I wonder what the people close to him in his day to day life think of being connected to Google Glass also. I mean, if the main feature of Google Glass is heralded as being the ability to easily take videos and photos as you're out and about, why don't Canon and Nikon just go make glasses that do exactly that, but with none of the uh, Google, Android, and all that tie-in? And I mean, yeah. a, a device from beginning to end that is, that's the winner. That is the winner. If uh, I mean... If if Nikon or Canon would just develop glasses that from beginning to end are designed to take take amazing photos, if 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 uh, Nokia can do it in a smartphone, if they can create a smartphone that, uh, you know, it's one huge failure is that it runs on Windows Phone, but it takes amazing photographs such that you can zoom in and not see pixelation. If you want to enlarge right. certain, uh, that's how good the resolution is on those photos. If Nokia but you need to be brave it, to switch there, remember, from our last episode. Well, that's true, and you didn't have what it took. We all saw what happened. We all we all saw how you just crumbled under the pressure. You, and you, let me tell you, I am so annoyed at my iPhone still. I, I almost bought on a Craigslist a Nexus 5 when last I see, weekend. When I see how you crumbled and went back to the iPhone, I say to myself, I don't know how we won World War II. I really just do not know how well, we fought on your off point the of Axis view, powers. I, I think if you were to ask John B. Wells, he would say maybe we didn't win World War II, but it's just a matter of perspective. Huh, yeah, well, I'll bet you deep down inside, if you if you query that guy enough, there was also no Holocaust. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> um, we need to have him on our show to have a trifecta of coast-to-coast hosts. Hosts, hosts. Oh, my this, God, this, what's happened to us? You see how you see what happens when we go this long without doing a show? You see how things implode and crumble and just generally become unworkable? And here <laughs> we are know? with all this equipment that I've bought, that you've bought. That's where I was going to go. A built-in, baked-in audience just ready to listen to our shows, and what do we do? We go six weeks at a time without doing a show and then listen to us. I can't say Google. I can't even remember what the word was that you just now failed to pronounce properly. Uh, <laughs> I think it was pizza roll, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I don't really see a use case for Google Glass. I think if Nikon or Canon could just come out with devices that are glasses or, yeah, glasses, that's the, that's the form factor. If Canon or Nikon did that and made them amazing from beginning to end, focusing only on video and photo quality and none of the other peripheral bullcrap that takes up time and development research and whatnot, which has been poured into Google Google Glass I, oh my God! I'm, I, how am I on? Uh, how I am not a broadcaster. That's very clear at this moment. I can say <laughs> this to is you, being this is being broadcast on the Light Particle Network. Everybody, <laughs> I I, pro, I parsed what you just said and I understood it. Okay, um, <laughs> sorry, I had to go. There. <laughs> I understood that. <laughs> I'm usually kind of slow on such things, and I just assume, oh, Curtis, he's clearly headed toward dementia, and I brush. I'm it already off. there. But uh, I bought a bus, a bus to get straight there. I mean, don't you think? Am I wrong? And if Nokia or I'm sorry, if Nikon or Canon came out and said, "Screw Google Glass, we've got these glasses that do everything you really want Google Glass to do, but it does it ten times better," you have to think they have it already. Because they had to put some research into it at some point in the late 90s, thinking, hey, is this something we can be a market differentiator from? And they gave up on it. 
kind of like the Newton back in the day from Apple. Yeah, it was cool and it was a nice idea, but it was way ahead of its time. So it died a painful death and cost a lot of money. I'm sure the companies that are experts in creating camera systems built something like it and then realized that it wasn't worth their time to try to market and mass produce. And the thing is, Google makes so much money just off of tracking people's search history that they can afford to waste money on this kind of stuff. And maybe we get a driving or a self-driving car out of it. Maybe we get Google Glass. But at the end of the day, they're still tracking and making money. So they don't care. I mean, this could be a complete flop for them. Android could have been a complete flop, and they would have been all right. I think it is a flop. I, I just, I, I don't see Android. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, the you, you Google, mean Google Glass. Glass? Yeah, Glass. I'm just gonna start calling it Glass, Glass, so I can stop forcing myself to say Google unnecessarily. Yeah, they, need, they, they need someone in charge of uh, oh, a product. That's not a good kind of alliteration. Like, right. That's why I said they need to get rid of a G. There are good forms of alliteration. That is not one of them. Google Tell me one glass. word. God, g -g -g -g. It's just like this halting hard consonant. G -g -g -g. That's what happens. There's, there's not alliteration with the letter G that's good. When I'm being strangled and anally raped at a rest area bathroom at 1230 a.m. in Tuscaloosa, that's the sound you're going to hear. Now, you shouldn't be hearing that as I'm trying to product, uh, pronounce the name of a, a well-known technology product. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so Google Glass, we give that a thumbs down. Do we? Agree I think on so. That? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to hear, uh, you know, the the first person perspective on it. But yeah, my point of view right now is I wouldn't spend the money. I mean, I saw the videos on Leo Laporte's Twit where people had live video feeds of what it was they were seeing in their Google Glass, and so you could see it. And I'm I I didn't see anything compelling about that that says. I would like to make that the focal point of my mobile computing experience instead of my phone. Well, it's kind of like the, uh, I'm going to call them drones, but I know it's not the exact term. Those little helicopters that, that you can get that have cameras on them that are really cool. And at first they market them to consumers and, and maybe for the first two weeks you have it, you would take the, the little drone in your backyard or somewhere and you would film, you know, all your exploits with it, but then you got bored with it pretty quick. But then the movie industry and their entertainment industry realized all the, the value they had in that. And they used it for a very specific one-off purpose. That's what Google glass will become too. It'll become a one-off purpose, uh, you know, specific thing. Think about like training. Like if you were, if you're a mechanic and you had Google glass connected to you and you're taking apart an engine or you know, troubleshooting something, you had all that information on a heads up display in front of you. That's kind of cool. But as soon as you're done working on that car, you're going to take the glass, you're going to put it over on the shelf, and you're going to go live your life. Or a surgeon. Same, same thing. The White House says it will not direct the FCC to reclassify broadband. But they will tell, or they, they will do the job of uh, Congress. How does that make sense? The Obama, uh, by the way, this is from CNET, the Obama administration said Tuesday that although the president vigorously supports a free and open internet, he can't order the FCC on how to proceed in reinstating net neutrality protections. Um, and just quickly, for anyone who doesn't know what net neutrality is, it's the principle by which we say, if I send a packet of data over the Internet, my Internet service provider, whether that's Charter, Comcast, AT&T, whomever, should not care what that packet of data is being used for. So in other words, 
if your cable company offers local telephone service over their cable uh, coax and they want to sell that to you as a service, they should not be allowed to hobble your ability to use Skype over their internet connection because they see that as a competing product, which, by the way, it's now been proved. Um, I saw uh, somewhere in the news recently that some guy has proved that Comcast is hobbling Netflix was that the chat? on the network. Was that the chat uh, back and forth with a tech support person who said, well, yeah, of course we're uh, going to well, give no, that what he priority. Did, what he did was he was, he was looking at the uh, throughput speeds between himself and Netflix just over the bare open connection. And then he mm -hmm. connected Netflix over a VPN and he had many, many times the speed. Man, that's sad. Isn't that? that is, uh, and, and that all happened immediately after some federal judge right. ruled that the FCC has no business telling Internet service providers what they have to do uh, in the course of servicing their customers. I well, think that's precisely the type of industry where the federal government has jurisdiction to come in and say, here's how you're going to do business, because it's a monopoly pretty much everywhere you live. You, you Okay, you might have... Uh, access to DSL where you live, whoop-de-doo, that is not competition. Where, yeah, well, I, where I am here at my office, I can get cable internet, which I'm going to be able to get on, at several different tiers. Uh, the one I have now is about 35, I think, megabits per second down and 3 megabits per second up. If I decide, well, I'm going to pursue my options as a consumer and go with a competitor, the only viable competitor for what it is that I'm doing here in my office and really for what any normal modern family is doing with their internet connection at home, the only other even remotely viable option is going to be DSL from AT&T, which has a maximum download speed of 1.5 megabits per second because at some point in the evolution of DSL deployment, phone companies decided the, through some series of algorithms or actuarials, whatever numbers they had to crunch, they came to the decision at some point that there was no longer any financial gain to be had in upgrading the network. So pretty much right. wherever you live, whatever sort of DSL service you've got, whatever crappy packages are available, and they probably are really just that, absolutely crappy, if you're hanging on edge thinking at some point that the phone company is going to come in and you're going to be able to get 5, 10 megabits per second on your DSL connection, it's just never going to happen. Pretty much unanimously, ubiquitously, uh, across the country, phone companies have stopped developing DSL infrastructure. So we have no choice as consumers in this market of Internet service uh, providers that the court apparently seems to think that we do have which is the only logic you could make that sort of a judgment based upon to tell the FCC they can't. Uh, I guess the idea is here that I, as a consumer, have a choice. So I can go to whatever Internet service provider I choose if I don't like the way Comcast or Charter or Time Warner do business. And that is just a, that's a fundamentally flawed premise from the word go. There is well, yeah. no competition. Well Apply that to uh, food and the FDA, right? That's or not FDA. Uh, what is the department that does that? The well, yes, it is Food and Drug Administration. Right? No, that's not. It's no, not. They don't do. No, I'm kidding. They they do. Oh, food. you, you, they do you food got me. Dr they do food and okay, drugs, yeah. Curtis. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously, I need one more than the other. 
Uh, You're so, a poli sci major. I, I just don't believe this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's pretty sad there for me. Well, that, that's why I had to spell it out. So I would make sure the food, drug, admin. I'm not sure what it does. Uh, okay, so apply the same logic to the FDA that is being applied to the FCC. You have choice in the type of food you want to eat, the producers of the food, where you want to purchase it from. But they have such tight restrictions on it, and they control it all. One of the ideas is uh, inside this uh, broadband providers is the common carriers uh, rule. And uh, think about the, try, try to apply the same kind of idea that uh, you're only going to have one farmer or one co-op in your area that's going to be able to provide you all the food that you would need. And you can only buy it at one place where they all have the exact same prices. There's no such thing as a farmer's market anymore. And oh, and by the way, the government can't regulate this at all because we're not allowed to. It, it wouldn't work. Well, it's, it's just such an antiquated way of viewing communications in this country because for whatever reason, we operate on this philosophy that if the telecommunications services you are purchasing as a consumer don't come over the copper pair from AT&T, then the government's got no business being involved yeah. in its regulation. And I, for the life of me, do not, particularly now that so few people actually use uh, plain old telephone service anymore. I mean, that's such an antiquated, irrelevant service anymore. Uh, the more relevant form of telecommunications happening in this country today is cable TV. And the number of communications that take place over that connection uh, in 2014 versus just five years ago, it's, it's expanding at an exponential rate, I'm sure. I mean, the, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, if I think about every phone call I have happens over data now. Every Skype conversation obviously happens over data. There's not, I, I have a home phone. Well, that's connected to an OB100, I think it's called, that allows you to use your Google Voice account for free right. on a uh, home phone. So everything I do is happening over this cable connection, and I refuse to believe that I am so unique. I think this is the majority of America today. Oh, it is. It is now, yeah. So why is it that we sit here operating on this 1950s philosophy that if it doesn't come over the copper pair from Ma Bell, the government's got no business having anything to do with regulating it? That's just such a well, stupid, antiquated philosophy. Kind of sitting out there in this conversation is the whole com uh, whole situation of Comcast wanting to buy Time Warner. Isn't that Ma Bell right there? Uh, I mean, they're going to take over such a huge chunk of their competition if that gets approved, and ironically, the FCC will be the group that decides whether or not uh, the the purchase goes through. Uh, it just drives me crazy. I want to know what the solution have, is. I mean, do we have so few choices because of government regulation? And that's, well, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a chicken and the egg type of thing. I mean, is that... Yeah. Well, I think you, it's... Sorry. Well, ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, the, the real solution isn't... isn't to have the government stepping in it, it is consumer choice. And and we do need to be able to tell consumers with a straight face and uh, with facts backing us as we say it, that yes, you do have a choice as far as where you're going to get your internet service and you're going to be able to get a comparable service between the two choices, at least two. Everywhere you live, there should be at least two choices of how you're going to get internet access and those cho choices should be entirely comparable to one another, both in terms of speed and in terms of monthly bandwidth caps. Yeah, but, well, well, I we go don't back, have that. Yeah, well, I, I go back to the idea that the, the federal government 
every once in a while has to step in and do something for the good of the American people. We did that with the highway systems. Uh, there's other projects with infrastructure that have had that happen too. Internet is, I'm not going to call it a fundamental right because I think you jump I think into it. I think today it is. Well, I think it's something that is so easy and cheap for us to provide for everybody, which gives everyone a chance to step up potentially from where they are now. I mean, anyone can make money on the internet. Anyone can get a job using the internet. Anyone can communicate cheaply with anyone else using the internet. You can educate yourself using the internet. You can communicate yeah. political ideas using the internet. Any yeah. number of forms of speech and communication that we engage in can all be done and more effectively done on the internet. And so, yeah, so uh, I view yeah. the internet as water, as electricity. Uh, it's it's essential. Yeah, well, so why doesn't the government invest in the backbone of the internet and then uh, set up some system? I mean, everyone should be paying in some way through taxes to be able to, to, to finance this. Uh, again, I'm not a huge fan of, of taxes, but every once in a while, there's something that's such an, a fundamental part of our society that, that you just suck it up and do it. Uh, everyone should have access. It shouldn't be copper. It shouldn't be wire at all. It should be wireless. It's not hard for the government to, to build stable and secure wireless. I don't care if they listen in on us. Hey, Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Amber Alert. Let's see. It is a in Springfield, Missouri. License plate. One the hometown of S454. A 2008 Gold Ford Ranger. I'm sure that uh, somewhere out there, someone is listening to the spec sheet at this moment and will be able to assist authorities in rectifying this situation. Here's Maybe a picture. Maybe it's one of our listeners. Here's a picture Old of uh, the CEO of... Oh, no, that's a bank president. I I heard someone talking about the the CEO of Comcast playing golf with President Obama. And I think that's kind of your answer. Yeah. We're, we're not going to get anywhere. I mean, they have I know, too much so lobbying bad. money in Washington. There are too many people with an... And I, I mean, come on. How many municipalities out there... It's such an obvious conclusion that that could be easily done on the municipal level. Cities everywhere creating a free, open, accessible internet that everybody can get on and use for free and in an unlimited fashion, but it's not happening. The question you know, I, is why, where's the bottleneck? And I think it comes from really high up. Um, and, and, and well, you can throw John McCain in that too, because he's been an enemy of free and open internet through, through his, uh, uh, Senate campaign or Senate career too. He's a horrible man. I, 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 I never <laughs> liked John McCain. I thought I did, but I didn't realize that he wasn't the same person. I, I liked the Maverick, or the quote-unquote Maverick that he presented himself to be. But uh, unfortunately, that was just an act. I mean, I'm sorry you got captured in Vietnam, and they broke your arms, and now you walk kind of silly as a result of it. And that does make you a war hero and everything, but being a war hero doesn't necessarily make you a good man. And I think John McCain represents an abridgment of American freedom. And... On multiple levels, from campaign finance reform to his opinions on on internet openness and net neutrality, and he, what's really frightening about a guy like John McCain is he's so old and he's so unaware of what it is that he has the power to regulate, 
and why oh. he's regulating it and what 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 is he he doesn't know what he's doing in other words he's an he, old he's man the, he cannot relate on any fundamental level to this technology and how it's used and how it affects lives and and where it's going he's the case for uh, term limits i mean he well, one of many in congress in general but you know the people who serve us in washington which is how it's supposed to be they're supposed to be serving the will of the people uh they they should be required to go out into the real world and use the internet, I, or you know use the internet, use whatever, and not just you know have it be something they pay lip service to to get reelected every several years. Um, it's kind of funny to me. This guy John McCain, who supports campaign finance legislation that would tell people to whom and in what amounts they can donate campaign money, yet at the same time he apparently doesn't seem to be in favor of term limits. Right. You know, on, because the philosophy there is, well, uh, term limits represent uh, a, an imposition on the freedom of Americans to support whomever they choose to, to be elected to political office. In other words, we have the right to decide if someone's going to be voted out, not to have them removed for us. That's the philosophy behind, generally, as far as I can see, anyone's uh, approach to not supporting uh, oh, I see why that connector didn't work. It's so loose. Holy shit. I see why that didn't work earlier. Never mind. I'm sorry. I got sidetracked. But anyway, <laughs> well, any, anyone who doesn't support term limits with the first thing on the list would be, well, the people should have the right to decide who they're going to support and who they're not going to support. And John McCain's one of those guys, and yet at the same time, he's going to tell everybody what they can and can't spend their political donations on. Yeah. Well, I love the fact that he he was such a big supporter of campaign finance and uh, finance reform. And then when him and the president run against each other, the, the president uh, generates so much money, he declines to be a part of uh, federal matching funds, forcing uh, McCain to also not be able to use his own his own plan. He's just not a very good guy. I don't like him. I As much as I hated to see Barack Obama win in 2008, I stayed home in that election. I wasn't going to support <laughs> McCain under any circumstances. Yeah, see, I, I, all I really wanted to see was things to change in some way like to to break the bottleneck that was happening i didn't know neither of the candidates excited me much for that but uh as we see it's still same old same old well anyway this is the spec sheet if you'd like to be on the show tonight the number to call is going to be 573-837-4948 it's 573-837-4948 we'll be happy to answer your tech questions back in a minute Is the spec sheet. Curtis Thorne. Call us now. 573-837-4948. Flat screen monitor. Here's me dot dot. That number again, 573-837. That number again, 537-837. That number again, 573-837-4948. And now, here's the spec sheet.
Hey, it is the spec sheet. If you'd like to be on the show, the number to call is 573-837-4948. It's 573-837-4948. And Curtis, you said that uh, Gatun is going to call in and talk to us about his Google Glass. Is that right? Yes, he is. I figured we might as well go straight to a person who has it in their possession. Where is he? Uh, he's in uh, Indianapolis. No, I mean, where is he? I don't hear him. Oh, where is he? Oh, Do no, you he's ha- not here yet. Oh. He's going to call in. <laughs> what, is he calling the, the regular number? He, yeah, he's calling the 573 oh, okay. number. All right. Well, the number again is 573-837-4948. 573-837-4948. Um, we kind of didn't really finish what we were talking about, I guess, earlier with the White House refusing to direct the FCC to reclassify broadband. Uh, I mean, do we, do you feel like we finished that up? Is there? Well, I, I think we talked about our frustration pretty well. The the whole thing about net neutrality, I think, is what's left open. Is well, the the, the reason the, the White House made this declaration to begin with was because it was in response to an online petition asking that the White House order the FCC to reclassify broadband providers as so-called common carriers which would put them under the same regulatory framework as the tradi- traditional phone network. See, that's where it all comes in right there. Right. Common the carriers. God, yeah. that is just so frustrating. Uh, the petition, which has received more than 105,000 signatures, was launched. In- okay, so here's the deal. <laughs> I mean, we've got this petition system at the White House, which apparently whenever it receives 105,000 signatures, the White House is supposed to act on it in some way. At well, least remember, this, this, is, is the, this is the spin, at least. This is the same system that people put a petition up about creating a, a Death Star to that's defend the, the homeland. That's the point. You know, that kind of bull crap slips through and everyone... <laughs> but here right. we have an instance where an issue that truly is important, this is precisely the type of issue that this sort of system was designed to bring attention to. Things of this nature, like real legal questions, real legal concerns that people have about the world in which we live here in the United States of America and what the future holds. And if this sort of thing isn't going to get anything other than a shoulder shrug from the White House, I mean, look, say what you want about Barack Obama, whether you support liberal Democrats or not, at least one thing you used to be able to count on with liberal Democrats, which was that they would be looking out for the consumer. At least that was the perception. I I don't... uh, I don't necessarily know how true that ever was, but if I ever expected a guy to come into the White House and clean up the mess as far as Internet regulation is concerned and and force Internet service providers to uh, adhere to net neutrality, I would have expected that from this president for sure. As a matter of fact, there should be a tenant of his... Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember there was a post on Belgab. I'm 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 sure that someone could go back and find this if you do a little bit of searching. I posted what I expect from a Barack Obama administration. I posted this shortly after he was elected in 2008, and I believe one of the things that I talked about was that I expect him to enforce net neutrality or at least push legislation that changes the way we regulate telecommunications in this country. That's what this petition is indicating. People would like the White House to propose legislation, get together with congressmen or senators so that someone can draft a bill that changes the way we regulate telecommunications in this country. That's all we have to do. All we have to do is redefine what a common carrier is. 
And that just right. takes legislation. The House and the Senate vote on it, and then the president signs off on it, and it becomes law. And then the FCC has the regulatory authority to be able to handle this. It doesn't, but instead, because some federal judge comes in and says the FCC has no business regulating this, because well, after all, the cable companies are not common carriers, and that's not under the purview of the FCC. That just screams, give us some legislation. We'll get it taken right. care of. I mean, if the Obama administration can be instrumental in putting together the Affordable Care Act, why can't they get involved in this? Why is this a shoulder shrug? I don't get it. Well, that's why I made the comment at the very beginning of the conversation on this, that the president says that he will act when Congress won't act, but then here's a chance for him to act. I think the majority of America, regardless of their political leanings, would agree makes sense. Just on face value, it's right that that there's no one should be able to, to govern which packets get priority over the others. Uh, if you believe in commerce and capitalism, even on, as on the smallest level, then you would say that that's fair. Uh, but you no, know, he can't, he can't get behind that and do an executive order that says, you know, whatever, you know, now we will at least in action support net neutrality, even if there's not a law that supports it, it wouldn't be hard for him to do because part of the executive branch is how they, interpret and act uh, go ahead and prove that i'm a political scientist that the, the way that they enact or the way they manage the laws that are set you know that that, that would simplify it just okay here's what we're going to do the justice department fcc all these places we're going to handle these uh, laws this way it just seems to me that there used to be certain things you could count on liber liberal democrats for i'm if this were 1968 let's say i'd probably consider myself a liberal democrat because uh, I have a lot of populist viewpoints on certain things. But, uh, man, not anymore. I mean, who would have thought that the NSA surveillance that we're living with at this time would be happening under a Barack Obama administration? This community organizer from Chicago. Holy crap. Who saw that coming? Uh, forget it being Barack Obama specifically. Just imagine any typical black liberal Democrat becoming the president of the United States, you would fully expect that what we're seeing today would be an impossibility on so well, many I, levels. I think, I think the politics have changed. I've said several times that I believe that there's not really a true two-party system anymore. It's a globalist uh, point of view versus uh, you know the rest of us who just want to uh, succeed and prosper and be left basically alone. Maybe that includes the government providing services for us. You know, who knows? But I think that government should be you know, closer to the people, not the federal government, but uh, I don't think the parties are anywhere near where they used to be. So that, that, that same guy in the seventies, if he had run for, you know, Barack Obama run for president or, or a stereotype to, to use there uh, wouldn't have the same political leanings anymore because the parties have changed so much. We don't, we don't have a true two party system. Well, as a throwback to an earlier comment, um, I guess this is just what happens when the CEO of Comcast plays golf with the president. Uh, right. It, there's, it is no, there's really no <laughs> yeah. further explanation needed. It's crony capitalism at its best, and we're caught in the middle eating a nice shit sandwich. Hi, Gatun. Yeah. How's it going, gentlemen? It's a pleasure uh, to hear from you. You haven't called this show in a long time, I, and when that happens, I have a natural uh, feeling of inadequacy that causes me to say, what did I do to him? Did I say something? Did I? I had to have said <laughs> something. I did something. No, no, just just busy and not paying attention to uh, when the show comes on. Actually. Oh, great! I'm glad you're there supporting us with <laughs> such fervor. Thank you, sir. 
It's been wonderful. Glad to have you as a fan, and particularly coming from Muncie, Indiana, the epicenter of Van Dieven Enterprises and its fan club. Thank you. It's uh, really yeah. been a pleasure. Anyway, you've got Google Glass. Um, how did you end up getting it, and what did you pay for it? What was the process there, and what do you think about it? Well, um, back when they first announced that uh, they were going to be handing out uh, invitations to come to it, uh, there were, uh, right after the Google I.O. a couple of years ago, I signed up, uh, and actually I entered multiple Google contests to try to get an invite for the whole year and a half they existed, and come last November, uh, just a few months back, I got an invite from Google to uh, join the uh, Explorer program. In other words, they so. sent you a bill for $1,500, and you paid it happily, right? Right. <laughs> okay, so your impressions. What was it you expected from Google Glass? How has it met those expectations, if at all? Um, there have been a few things that uh, I'm... I'm I'm saying, from my perspective, it's been awesome having it. Of course, I live in an area, being in Indianapolis, where there's probably, I've heard of one other person in the city that actually owns one. So, as, I'm as, the only a, as opposed to being a developer walking around with a pair of Google Glass in San Francisco, where you would imagine numerous things working better than they would in Indianapolis. Exactly. There's just, this is nobody who's ever seen them. I mean, the, 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 if I walk through the mall, it's, you know, I don't ever get anything done. If I walk through the mall wearing them, I try to take them off. I've even had some, some circumstances at restaurants and things like that where people have negatively frowned upon them to the point where they have left restaurants because I'm wearing them. That's silly talk. They get invading their privacy why? They're in uh, public. People are looking at them. They're probably being recorded on a closed-circuit television system anyway. What's wrong what with if, people? Uh, you do you think the reaction would be different if you had your phone sitting out and you're live-streaming it? Yeah, you used... know what? You could do the same thing with a cell phone as you can do with one of these, and actually you could probably do more with your cell phone than you can with one of these to stream it live. So I'm not, I, you know, it's just, media hype and all that other fun stuff that it led to people being ignorant of what really is going on with technology. Okay, uh, Gatun, I contend that the only really sellable uh, feature of Google Glass is the ability to easily re record video and take photos on a wearable device, namely on a pair of glasses, which seems as far as taking photos and video with a wearable device, I would think on a pair of glasses, that's going to be the most optimal place to do it. And so I'm contending that if Nikon or Canon were to come out with a pair of glasses that does nothing but take awesome video and photos, that it could easily compete with Google Glass, maybe even blow it out of the water, because ultimately that really is the only thing that I think most people are going to give a crap to use this for. What do you think? I would absolutely possibly agree with that. I think the there's some other features that, right this moment, there are almost no features of it because even the developer kit isn't even official yet. The developer kit isn't official probably for another month or so. So there well, are even when it is official, 
do you think anyone other than Google is going to put any serious investment into it? Into ads? Do you think any any company other than Google is going to take the time to invest in building apps or infrastructure around Google Glass? Because that, that's my worry. Uh -huh. Let's say Nikon or, or Canon did build that system. They're probably going to tie into Google services anyway for, for mapping, for reviews, for shopping. So why would any other company you know, develop a new software for it? Why would they? I think the, the one thing that has been pushed really hard is the ability to get notifications, information through Google searches. Um, they haven't really pushed the scanning of barcodes and stuff like in, in, in stores, but, you know, being able to identify items just by looking at them. Um, I know that they're doing some other stuff in the background because I happen to be at a bar and a basketball was, game was on. And I'm, I'm not a big basketball. I don't watch basketball, but now all Wait, of a you're sudden... you're in Indiana. I'm, you're in Indiana. That's a requirement. I'm not no, going to take the Pacers no. game now. But now I get... Uh, on my Google Now, I now get all the basketball scores show up on my Google Now because I happen to be in a room watching... Oh, so my God. So you've been on Google searching for basketball team information, and Google was able to connect those dots and make it happen on your Google now. Isn't that amazing? Or did it hear the background noise where you were at, and it delivered you the content back based on that? Well, it's possible that it got some of the, the video, too. Right. No. But all of a sudden, now it shows up on my Google now, which I Google now because of that feature, because anything that comes in. What I use it for the most is navigation while I'm driving or walking around the city. If I'm walking somewhere, it does excellent navigation stuff. By driving, there's all the people that say, well, driving is a hazard or whatever. You know what? What's, what's worse than looking down at a navigation system than having it pop up above your eyesight whenever you get close to a turn? It's been awesome. Well, you know, but, but have you not found that you can sort of train yourself over time to ignore that and maintain your focus where it needs to be? Or does it is it really that, like, jarring and it's like, oh, crap, there's something on my display? Oh, when I'm, when I'm using it now, within the first couple of weeks, I could get, like, the, the display will come on, which it's not on very often, only when you turn it on or something comes up. And... I, it'll come on sometimes. I won't even notice that it's on. I, I just don't even I pay attention to it. If it doesn't make a chime to actually notify me, I don't even look at it. How's the battery life on it? Uh, it gets about eight, eight and a half hours is what I've averaged, depending on what I'm doing with it. That's if pathetic. I'm watch, if I'm watching CNN videos and stuff, it's drastically reduced because it gets CNN news articles and uh, it'll read off uh, New York Times news articles to me if I ask it to. Um, there's a very there's a new developer built game for it. You get to fly a helicopter. It's quite fun. Hey, the the audio when you're list, let's say you're watching a video on Google Glass and uh, you're listening to the sound. Uh, it's my understanding the sound is transmitted through the bone in your skull, 
into your auditory is- nerve, into into the cochlea. And so I guess my question is, how does that sound? Well, actually, it's not a bone induction speaker. Um, there is a speaker just behind your ear. Um, and it what? is against the back of do your you, head. Do you, do you possibly have one of the older versions of glass or... Has it always not not been a bone conductor? They never have been bone conductors. Where in the hell did I hear that? I, I've 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 heard it ever. I, I mean, it was all over that it was going to have this bone induction. Maybe in the future, but you can feel. I'm actually talking to you on it. Well, that right I, now. Suddenly, you sound like shit, and we were going to we're going to tell you goodbye. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. I'm unimpressed. No, I'm kidding. It actually it sounds like you're on a speakerphone. But it's listenable. Yeah, and I mean, it pretty much is a speakerphone because the audio is actually picking up right near your eye. So you're talking into the Google Google Glass, and you're talking on glass, and it's connected to your phone over Bluetooth, right? That's correct. Okay, yeah, it sounds pretty good. The audio. Like I said, the speaker sits on your bone, so you can actually feel. I can actually feel when you talk. It actually vibrates. It's an invigorating experience, isn't it? Ooh. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, uh, let me boost the low-frequency response. There we go. Ooh. How was that? Sure. Did you get anything from that? My question is, uh, are you a married man, are you, Gatun? I am not. Do you have a girlfriend? I do. Have you filmed, like, with Google Glass during sex? <laughs> no. no? Although, well, how is although the- Dude, listen. No one knows who you are here. We only know you by your screen name of Gatun. I mean, you can... You can, you can level with us. It's okay. I'm on the level, and you know what? By my screen name, you can figure out. All you do is do Google search my screen name. Okay, so in other words, he has been recording himself having sex with his girlfriend (laughs) and uploading it to YouPorn. Uh, If you go to youporn.com slash gatoon, you'll see just a slew of videos. It's really awesome. I highly recommend it. Um, I have other comments I could make, but... There's actually an app... For having sex with your partner, you're supposed to be able to, if both of you have Google Glass, you can see what the other person is seeing. I think the way that would, that, that, that would, oh man, I couldn't imagine. I'm trying to imagine like Google Glass doing augmented reality for you during sex. Like you lift her leg up and you see a Starbucks logo on the underside of her thigh. Just like Google's got to make their money somehow off of this product. And by God, they're, uh. They're uh, they're cutting no corners. Look, honey, it's four inches longer in Google, Google Glass. Trust me. I'm sorry, honey. There's just not enough room for a Subway logo down there, for me at least. But <laughs> My battery's dead. We're done. I'm sorry. It's very disappointing for the ladies. I have to go ahead. I'm sorry. The for the public release is right around $500 each. So... Huh. Well, that's a that's, nice that's way to change the subject. Good job there. You. Uh, that's expensive for a sex toy. Yeah, <laughs> that's way to move on. Okay, Gatun, <laughs> do you have any uh, final thoughts on this? I, I think we've squeezed this for as much as we can. 
Uh, yeah, the Google Glass. It's 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 fun right now. Uh, it's not for the consumer. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't suggest for any consumer, even if they get the invite to buy it yet. Uh, this is for tech geeks and beta testers only. And uh, if as long as it stays there and it doesn't get the bad press that I've seen some people have given it, it, it has potential. Well, that's the verdict. It has potential. And I think you would find a lot of people out there who agree with that approach, that, that assessment. But uh, I think you're going to find a majority of people out there who just, it's, it's not going to become ubiquitous as the smartphone is. No way. You're not, yeah, I, there's not going to be this world where we walk down the street and everybody's wearing Google Glass. I, I'm, no way. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I can't imagine where we don't interact with anybody face-to-face anymore, even though we have a camera right in front of our face. There's going to be a huge amount of internet pornography, though, that is produced with this device. There's no doubt yeah, about that well, whatsoever. I mean, a huge subgenre of uh, pornography online is the point-of-view subgenre, yeah, well, or POV. I never even had thought about the app he just mentioned, though, where you can see things from the other person's point of view. How... Oh, God. I think that would make a lot of people sell Listen, I've tried to imagine what my wife goes through multiple times, and <laughs> I don't need to see it in addition to imagining it. I'm sure it's traumatic hey, enough. I couldn't keep a, a, an Android phone for two weeks, so there's no way I can imagine what it would be like to be on the other end of that for oh, me God. or for my wife. You know, That's unbelievable. Uh, who, who would want Well, I don't know. Anyway, if you want to <laughs> well, be... No, there's, there's somebody who wants everything. Yeah, that's true. No matter what it is you can imagine... Yeah. Someone is yeah. into it. I've always said that. No matter what, like, I'm trying looking around the room here. Um, there's a guy somewhere in the world who enjoys being beat about the genitals with a Roku, but only the original <laughs> Roku. If you, right, the two if, is no no good. For that, if you I'm come sure. at him with any other version, it just doesn't get the job done. I mean, no matter what kind of weird sexual quirky. Uh, specificity that you can imagine someone is into it out there somewhere. It's really frightening, it, it, actually. It, it's like that whole idea of uh, observation. Uh, as soon as you observe something, you've made it, you know, the the reality of it with uh, the, the weirdness of the Internet. As soon as you imagine it, someone is already doing it. So I don't get that. App. So the, this app allows you to see yourself having sex from the perspective of the person with whom you are having sex? Yeah, the only, well, why don't only you just put the glasses on them? Yeah. Well, here's, here's what I want to know. Why do you need an app for that? It, it, well, if it could give like heartbeat and uh, like body temperature, then maybe it'd have some value because then you can maybe adjust what you're doing based on those kind of cues. But other than that, it would just be like you're watching a movie. I don't know. But you'd be watching yourself. So does that mean you're actually, are you actually having sex then or are you masturbating? I want to move on. I'm, I'm not. I think this is important. Yeah, you're right. Um... New light harvesting technique by Stanford team may revolutionize the solar industry. I've always believed that the future of alternative energy is going to be solar. That's no. why I brought that article into our, our mix because I Not agree. wind. I mean, because we are one day going to reach a point where you can have this paint, this solar conducting paint that you just put all over the exterior surface of a building, on the roof, on the walls, everything. And uh, you hook up a transformer and suddenly you've got some power. I, yeah. I really do believe one day we're going to get there. It's just a matter of uh, the technology coming along. But the the sad thing is that 
it doesn't get a lot of credibility, the uh, solar industry, because we have so many examples of poorly run businesses who couldn't even survive after being given huge amounts of government money. And it all turns out to be a scam operation to begin with. And, uh, actually, that company that uh, was given all of that money, what was the name? Solyndra? Yeah. Uh, that company, I believe, was now it was sold. It was liquidated after they went bankrupt, and now it's owned by a Chinese firm. If, right. if I so, yay! The Chinese now own Solyndra, the company that was given millions and millions <laughs> of dollars in yeah. order to develop. But that's I hate to see that happen. Not because I'm like a Rush Limbaugh type who like actually wants to see these things fail. Like the guys who think the way he does they see something like that failing and they're like, yes, see, it just proves the point that there's nothing to this alternative energy stuff. It's all about oil. If we don't have, which is true today. Yeah. If we don't have oil today, we're screwed, but there's a future here. And, and, uh, I really do want to see this technology come along. I've always believed that it's not going to happen with wind. That's for sure. And nuclear's days, I think on this planet are probably numbered, even though not really numbered. I mean, there's so many nuclear power plants all over the world. But, I mean, in terms of new ones being constructed, I don't think you're going to see a lot of that happening. No, I agree. I think the the marketing arm against it and Fukushima are enough to uh, end its at least uh, short-term plans, short-term being 50 years at least. So um, here's the story. This is from Tech Times. Solar cells may see remarkable improvements to efficiency thanks to a new research that has studied the way Light harvesting systems, this page is reloading on me automatically, handle photons. Implications of the research could include a leap in the efficiency of solar cells and collectors. A study of one light harvesting mechanism and materials examined the process of photosynthesis at the molecular level. The research was led by someone, blah, 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 uh, of no consequence, some Chinese dude, I don't know. But anyway, uh, that is good to see that solar technology is coming along. I'm very happy to see that. That article is the first time I've seen solar harvesting or light harvesting used instead of, you know, the old ways. That it, I mean, like very generic ways that actually makes it sound like it could be an industry. You know, you harvest something rather than, oh, I've got a solar panel on my roof and it charges my cell phone. I often hear the idea bandied about that we could put a solar array in orbit and geosynchronous yeah. orbit around Earth so that it always stays over the same position over the planet and it harvests all of this light, and it would be the best kind of light, too, because it's not going to be filtered at all by the atmosphere. Uh, it's just going to be bare naked. Of course, I mean, some of that energy is going to be killed off by our magnetic field that surrounds the planet, but uh, it's going to be way more efficient than having a solar collector under the atmosphere here on the planet's surface. And then you could beam that energy down to the planet in the form of microwaves. Right. But I don't know how efficient that really is, how viable that really is. I mean, there's going to be a lot of energy loss just in the course of transmitting the signal down to the planet's surface. You know, with every yeah, uh, with, every, with every foot of nitrogen gas you got to pass that through, there's going to be some loss. Well, the, the only energy you expend, though, in the process is the energy to build it, to get it into orbit, and then you allow it to power itself based on solar energy from that from there. So... I'm not going to call it free energy, but at that point, any energy you get from it. Once you break even. Right. Yeah. At that point, the same, same idea about making your house solar. Once you hit that break even point, then it's, you know, essentially free to you in cost. But, uh, it's, go ahead. Gatun says he wants to see Mr. Fusion. 
I was all, hey. always blown. I'm so depressed to know that so many of the things seen in Back to the Future are just scientifically not viable. <laughs> Wait, I thought they really had those hovering skateboards. I remember the kids all all the time saying that they had seen them. Is it not real? Unless you got power. <laughs> those boys don't work on water. Unless you got power. You remember that? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Back to the Future 2 where Michael J. Fox is trying to go across the water with the is that what they're saying? Board. Yeah. Oh, then, okay. Yeah. The Asian, he's like, Nick Fly, those boards don't work on water. And then the Asian kid's like, unless you got power. <laughs> it's like yeah, the or, it's like the the futuristic multicultural version of Biff. <laughs> you know, he's got yeah. Chinese friends hanging around. I think there's a black yeah. kid there. It's it's just so evolved from the 1950s Biff. <laughs> he's yeah, still a but dick. The future's better. He's yeah. still a dick, but I mean, he he chooses to uh, engage in his dickery with a wide array of ethnic extractions. It's very uh, it's very inclusive. I like it. Yeah. Well, that was what 2005. Is that when that the future is in that movie? 2015. Is it 2015? Okay. Yeah, we're so coming we're up there. on we're coming up on that. I mean, 30 years, yeah. man. How yeah. about that? I uh, remember being a kid. I mean, because you and I are about the same age, thinking that 2000. How many things are going to be so different in the future of 2000? And remember, at, Conan O'Brien had a little segment on his and, show every night. In the year 2000. Oh yeah, I love that. In the year 2000. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> And, and yeah. it really was sort of this perception out there that when we cross into the year 2000, the uh, seas are going to part, the heavens are going to open. Yeah, I and remember 1998, I'm in college, and I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be kind of depressing when 2000 gets here, and <laughs> I don't have a flying car. Well, I don't think we're ever going to have flying cars because yeah. those also go by another name, and that name is airplane. So yeah, no, the, That's I'm one of the biggest lies put upon it. How about that Mueller guy that constantly used to call in and be on Art's show? I think actually he was scheduled to be the next guest uh, just before, uh, just after, like Art Art killed Dark Matter just before that. I think his name's Paul Mueller. Yeah, I know you're talking about that. So wait a minute. All right. This is breaking news that you're saying Jasmunda was not the smoking gun that, that killed the show. I just want to be sure I understand. I didn't say that. Okay. I All right. Because you, you just about changed everything about my perception. No, I never, <laughs> I never, uh, I did not say that. So let's keep the uh, assumptions and the uh, inferences okay. to ourselves. I, I just wanted to double check. Uh, you got anything else on the solar stuff? Uh, well, well, just a, a tangent from it. Uh, I, I saw an article on, on Google News recently, and I wish I had read it more than just the headline talking about scientists had achieved fusion uh, in some way different than they had before. It didn't say cold fusion, but some new, more efficient way of doing uh, fusion. Have you heard anything about that? No, but there have been numerous instances over the years of that claim having been made. Yeah, well, and, uh, it, the, the thing about it, though, is that this was actually, you know, it had to have been on some major news feed. I, I need to go back and double well, we, check. Well, we but, already have fusion, right? Just not cold fusion. Yeah, exactly. It, well, I don't even know if cold fusion ever is really going to be possible or, or, or maybe it's a suppressed technology. Well, Who knows? Cold I'm, fusion is simply smashing two atoms together without generating heat, right? Right. Without generating massive amounts of heat. Right. Well, why would you really want that though? I mean, don't you because want Because then you heat? can have a... Isn't that no, how you're going to generate the energy? 
No, because you you get more energy, and I'm, I'm not a physicist, so I'm going to get parts of this wrong, I'm well, sure. Well, then I'm a little upset. Well, okay, I'm a physicist, so I'm going to get this right. I'm Michu very happy Kaku. to talk to you. Go ahead. Hey, so so I, I actually listened to Michio Kaku once in a speech, so I'm qualified to talk about this. So, uh, Fusion is like a river. If you <laughs> smash these two atoms together, it's like two sticks coming together in a river. It's a river of sticks smashing together in a river. Wait. Talk about type two civilizations for a moment, please. No one ever gets to the type two because they kill themselves before they get there. It's, it's like a river, just the way the civilization flows. It's like a river. And imagine there's a cliff, there's a waterfall at the end of the river, and you flow. It's a river. You flow over it's the nice. river. You, I can't you know, we stand have some, that guy. See, I like him, but I, I get people's complaints about him. I just think he seems so soulless. He seems like yeah, the type of guy who doesn't have the ability to love somebody. Yeah, it was. I went to his promotion of not his most recent book, but the one right before it. It was in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was the most amazing thing uh, to to listen to him talk and take questions from the crowd because his big thing was being a future. This was all about futurism and how jobs are going to be taken over by robotics or AI things like that. So you had these you know, guys from Kentucky who. Uh, hadn't really thought about theoretical physics uh, or physics or uh, string theory, any of that kind of stuff. They just wanted to go watch a filming of a TV show on PBS and they start asking them questions like, you know, am I going to lose my job to a machine? And Kaku <laughs> was straight up with them. He, he's like, yeah, you are. He's like, well, he asked one person, he's like, well, unless you plant flowers for a living, because that takes creativity and robotics will never have the creativity of a person. So, if you're a Bullshit. florist, maybe. Yeah. Well, some. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a whole argument to be made there too. I mean, but, it's it's not about the robotics being creative or the computer being creative. It's about the computer being able to present the impression of creativity. Right. Well, yeah. Be, being able to obtain patterns that are considered creative and then duplicating that pattern. I, well, I, anyone who says something is not going to happen always looks like a dummy later on. That's a risky yeah. thing to do. Yeah. The, the awesome thing though is to watch him before. You know, he was on before the camera started rolling and he's just kind of talking and being kind of loose. And then all of a sudden the cameras go on and man, Michio's ready to go. He's that guy that you know shows up for art as the first guest or is on with Charlie Rose on Good Morning America. It's he, that, that guy is just a machine. Okay. Um, so we don't really know what, what, what the advantage is then in cold fusion. Like how is the energy but, being created in, in cold fusion? That's where I, what I don't but, get. Yeah, cold fusions at much lower temperatures and you get more energy out of it. Uh, you get massive amounts of energy out of uh, low input. Yeah, but I know, I know, but I mean, how is the energy generated? Because we t typically think of energy generation as the generation of heat. And then you take that right. heat and you do something with it. Yeah, but you're uh, fusing two atoms together, right? So it's this. Well, it doesn't matter how you get in the heat, though. The fusing, that's why you're fusing. Or, well, uh, no, I mean, that's fission. We're splitting atoms in, in a typical well, nuclear reactor, right? Uh, well, yeah, for fission, I thought fusion was well, taking two atoms and smashing them together. And, it is, and fission yeah. is breaking them apart. Right. And so the and reason. With fission, we, you create some fusion. In like a nuclear explosion, minuscule amounts of fusion happens, right? Well, I would, I don't know. See, we, we've got some pretty smart people in the chat room that need to call and talk to us about this because I don't claim Yeah, you guys suck as an audience. You never call. You just sit in the chat room and type your little messages. 
you little, don't call, little, you always write. Your little messagey messages. Yeah, I like how you gave my uh, private quote about uh, the listeners of the, the podcast on Bell Gap. I noticed that uh, right before we went on the air. Um, I never played Bioshock, but their creator, Irrational Games, the or the creator of Bioshock, I should say, Irrational Kevin Games Le- is shutting down. Um, the co-founder, Ken Levine, confirms all but about 15 people will lose their jobs as he starts up a smaller, more entrepreneurial endeavor for Take-Two, as he's calling it. And... Um, they're going to la di There's not really much more to the story. I mean, I think it's pretty clear why they're going out of business and not making enough money. Right. I mean, the thing really is, though, no more complex than that. Irrational Games were the creators of System Shock Two, which is a groundbreaking game in the PC gaming world. And then they went on to create some other uh, big games like the Bioshock series and Bioshock Infinite is uh, one of the few games for the PC that I actually bought for the pre-order. And uh, played all the way through as quickly as I could because I didn't want anyone to tell me the story. Uh, I, I'm really depressed here that they're going out of business. Why? Bioshock. Because they, they were doing something different than everybody else was in the gaming. Yeah, I mean, like, their games were... It, it actually was just like going to see a movie with you being the star of it, you know, playing in the main character. They put so much effort into the the whole experience. Their, their games end up being one-dimensional in, in the fact that you play through the series and you make choices throughout it. But then afterwards, you probably don't go back to play it all, all that often. I mean, I've played it maybe two times afterwards. It doesn't have the big multiplayer uh, free-for-all like other games would have. But but they're still really awesome experiences. And the graphics were amazing. The story was awesome for Bioshock Infinite. You know, I completely recommend it for anyone who's a, a gamer. But So it's kind of depressing to think that, it, that someone out there who was doing something different than Halo or Call of Duty or Battlefield... Uh, is is not going to be doing that anymore? Because hmm. I think all those games are so alike. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot of originality out there anymore. Do they do Portal? No. Yeah, as I was saying to you that before was the yeah. Yeah, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. It was, wasn't it? Okay. Mm. Well, I was hoping that maybe that's a cool they were game going. Too. I was hoping maybe uh, the makers of Portal were going out of business because then that means we could just go ahead and use that. Uh, that song without worry of copyright infringement. Yeah. Nobody would care. <laughs> nice. Well, there, there's a, well, I'll, I'll have to go see if uh, we can find some uh, Bioshock music. Okay. Well, that having been said, the show's over. See, we even had more news that we didn't talk about. Isn't that amazing how that works out? We, 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 we sat here before the show wringing our hands, saying to ourselves, this just is not really enough to talk about, but let's just do it and see what happens. And here we are, the show is over, and we still haven't even talked about all of it. We really are amazing hosts, and you as the listeners should be thrilled to know that we're here to deliver this show to you on what is supposed to be a weekly basis. We'll try to get better about that. Um, yeah, we have lives. What can we say? <laughs> well, now that you've invested so much in the technology there, I feel like I should deinvest in my job and just sit and talk to you all day well we're going to start doing shows more regularly we've got to i mean as i was saying well i i hate to say this but the gabcast is beating us in downloads now um and i'm pretty sure that this the fret files is beating us in downloads too 
Yes, yeah, because uh, they have good content, though, both of those shows. Well, we have pretty good content. I, I just think that part of the problem is we're not consistent enough in the frequency of episodes. Plus, we changed podcast feeds, and that's something else to factor in. How many people were subscribed to the podcast feed and True. are no longer getting episodes? Huh. That's right, Gabcast. This is Spec Sheet 2.0, and we're still better. Okay. Everybody have a good night. It's been a pleasure. Uh, hopefully, we will see you next Tuesday. Until then, keep on ticking. <laughs> Ugh. See ya. Yeah, bye. This is The Spec Sheet.